Welcome back. This is episode two of the Emergency Goalies podcast. Uh, this week, I'm going to start out with a recap, and then I'm going to kick it to my co-host, Michael Ernst. So uh, let's get right into it. The Blackhawks played two games this week, and believe it or not, they were both overtime games. Again. So this makes it five out of five games to overtime. Uh, Thursday, the Blackhawks played at the Minnesota Wild. Uh, and they started out very good, actually. Uh, Jonathan Tabes was the driving force. He uh, set up a goal to Alex DeBrincat and Dominic Cahoon's first career NHL goal, which was a nice roof job. Uh, for the rest of the game, the Wild basically dominated. Uh, they pulled it, pulled into a tie uh, late in the second period. Very late, actually. Three seconds left. Jason Zucker, I like to call him Zucker, whatever. He uh, scored a goal with three seconds left to tie the score. The Blackhawks actually took a lead in the third period, three to two, and another goal by Debrinket. But uh, the Wild again had some late dramatic action. Uh, Suter scored a goal with about a minute left, so the game went to overtime. And in overtime, Zucker again did what he always seems to do with the Blackhawks and scored the overtime winner for a 4-3 Blackhawks loss. Uh, then Saturday we had the Blues coming to the United Center to play the Blackhawks. This was actually a pretty big night because Duncan Keith was celebrating his 1,000th career NHL game, all with the Blackhawks. Um, we can, we'll talk a little bit about that after the recap, but it was a pretty cool ceremony. Anyway, this game was another... Real back and forth contest. Um, you know, the Blackhawks got out to another 2 0 lead. I believe Anisimov and I think Debrinkat, no, Debrinkat scored later. It was Anisimov and um, now I'm spacing on who had the second goal. Well, suffice it to say, they scored two goals and took a 2 0 lead. But the yeah, Blues. It was Kane. It was Kane, that's right. Um, the Blues came. Thank you, Michael. The Blues came storming back to tie the score at two. And um, again, we went to another third period, you know, with a close game. The Blackhawks seemed to be doing that an awful lot of late. Um, the Blues took a lead, and then Alex Dabrinkit came back and scored to tie the game at three. Late, about four minutes left in the third period. And we went to overtime again, and this time Dabrinkit got a, just a beautiful pass by Eric Gustafson in overtime for a tap-in goal to give the Blackhawks a dramatic win over the Blues. So there's a lot of Alex Dabrinkit action in this. Uh, yeah, uh, leading scorer on the team now. That's right. Um, so we had two more games, two more overtimes, one win, yeah, one overtime loss. So the Blackhawks... Quiet had, week. Yeah. The Blackhawks have piled up a lot of points. I believe mm-hmm. eight out of a possible ten which is very good. So um, I'll kick it to you, Michael. What do you think of these two games? Well, um, I only caught the first uh, 58 minutes or so of the wild game. So I I missed the late, the late game collapse and the overtime. Um, So I, I, I didn't have that bit of the roller coaster ride, but you know, as you said, uh, you know, another game, another overtime game. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I think he covered it pretty well, actually. Um, Hawks got off to a pretty good start in that game. Um, the Taves line was very strong once again uh, with DeBrinket and uh, Cahoon. And as you mentioned, Cahoon got his first career goal. And I think he's been playing really well, fits in real well on that, on that, on that line. Um, but yeah, a lot of the other lines struggled a bit. And it just, it seemed like it was an inevitability that the wild were going to eventually tie that game up. And then I just kind of hoped maybe at the end of the game, it was the Hawks that would come through with a late goal as they've been known to do. But, uh, you know, unfortunately they couldn't hold that lead and then they dropped it in overtime. Uh, then the blues game, uh, once again, overtime, fifth straight uh, overtime game. First time that's ever happened in not just NHL history, but in any of the four major sports where teams goes to five straight uh, overtime periods, which is, I guess, an accomplishment. I mean, at least in hockey, you get a point out of going to uh, overtime, whether you win the game or not, but... Um, so, but yeah, as you said, eight out of 10 points so far, uh, it's looking pretty good in that regard, as far as, uh, treading water until Corey Crawford comes back, which, uh, the last I heard was they were still hoping for sometime this week, maybe even Thursday, but, uh, yeah, once again, uh, the came through with some big goals, uh, the one thing I thought was nice was to see Anisimov get rewarded with both a goal and an assist in that game. I, I felt he was playing much better than he did last season. I think I had mentioned it on Twitter at some point a week or two ago. I think it was probably during the second or third game. But, you know, he played with Kane and Panarin two years ago. And I think it sort of got him into a passive mindset a little bit. Um, between those two guys, he was not asked to carry the puck pretty much at all. Uh, his job was to go to the front of the net and retrieve pucks below the goal line. Uh, and he did that job effectively. Uh, but then last year, you know, obviously with Panarin gone and, uh, not playing exclusively with Kane anymore. Uh, he got bumped down to the third line and he played really poorly at five on five, uh, with in five on five situations. He did still score like 20 goals and over half of them came on the power play. Uh, but I think five on five, he only scored like five or six goals the whole year. Just wasn't assertive at all. No confidence with the puck seemed like every time he got it, he'd give it up real quick. Uh, but this year, you know, the first few games, I, I he, he was making some plays with the puck, wasn't afraid to carry it. Um, you know, he's not the most skilled guy, but he, he, he can make some plays. And unfortunately, the first couple of games, he wasn't getting rewarded. He wasn't really getting much help from his line mates either, uh, Kunitz and comp and camp uh, the first couple of games where his line mates and those guys just really aren't finishers at this points in their career. Kunitz was at one point and maybe 
camp can can be at some point, but um, he's more of a defensive uh, forward. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I was gonna uh, I was gonna ask too somebody that really stood out that um, the past couple games uh, for ten. I really yes. like what I've seen from him so far. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the first thing you always notice with Alexander Fortan is the speed. His speed is phenomenal. Um, you know, it may not be quite uh, Connor McDavid or Dylan Larkin, uh, but it's it's pretty close. And he's he's most certainly the fastest player on the Blackhawks. Um, he's a guy who came into prospect camp a couple of years ago on a tryout. He was undrafted, um, just kind of a raw prospect that, you know, obviously the speed stood out, but, um, it just kind of had a middling junior career, uh, but then came to the prospect camp and, you know, showed really well and earned a contract and then, uh, actually had a really strong training camp and almost made the team last year. Um, but uh, they decided to send him down to the AHL. And then unfortunately uh, he got off to a little bit of a slow start and then he got hurt and he missed a lot of time. And when he came back, he just, he never, he never really got on track all year. I think he only scored like five goals all year. Just, just really a lost season for him. And just all that positive momentum he had been building up just kind of evaporated. And uh, he was one of the very few AHL players uh, from last year that came in and actually participated in the prospect camp again. They usually uh, have the guys who played in the AHL kind of skip that. Um, But uh, since he did miss some time and didn't, maybe didn't, they had him sit out most of the playoffs. He was actually healthy, but uh, he didn't make their, um, I don't think he appeared in the playoffs at all. So I think they had him maybe try and regain some confidence at that prospect camp and seemed to work. Uh, He once again had a pretty strong training camp was one of the final cuts. And yeah, you know, after those first couple of games, Blackhawks had an injury opening and I think they were really looking for a bump uh, for their top nine. They were looking for, a, a, you know, more of a offensive play driver and he's come in and uh, his first game he played with uh, Anisimov and Kunitz, I believe. And then in the St. Louis game, he got bumped up to the Kane line. So, you know, that's obviously a very exciting opportunity for him. I'm not sure if that will continue or not. We'll see on Thursday, but, um, you know, he, he created a lot of offense, um, made some, yeah, he had two like speed. Yeah. There were there like two or three. Yeah. Weren't there like two or three against like, he got right to the net against, um, Jake Allen and just barely missed finishing. Yeah. He was, he just missed a couple of goals. I think he got a goal post once, and then uh, there were a couple um, where it wasn't necessarily with his speed, but he was crashing the net pretty hard, uh, even when Kane and Schmaltz were making plays. And he just missed on a couple of rebounds as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, in that regard, it kind of reminds you a little bit of what Brandon Saad's been going through, where 
it just seems like he's an inch away from scoring a goal, um, you know, like every game, but he just, he can't finish. Um, so hopefully Fortan isn't going to get that kind of snake bitten. Uh, but at least, you know, it's a very positive first two games in the, in the NHL. He doesn't look out of place. Um, and certainly that speed is a weapon that the Blackhawks could really use. Um, you know, they, they lost Henestroza in the offseason. Um, he was really the only guy last year that him and Schmaltz, I guess, are kind of their, their, their two faster forwards at this point. Cahoon's got a little bit of speed, but it's more, I, I call him more quick than fast. So, yeah. Yeah, and that actually is a nice transition because uh, on Saturday, Fortan played on the second line, and Brandon side was all the way down to the fourth line. It yep. just doesn't seem to be getting better for Brandon side. I don't know no. what's going to change. Yeah, once again, he... You know, he actually, I thought he played a fairly decent game on the fourth line. He did actually create some chances, but the finish just isn't there. I don't know if it's a confidence thing at this point. Um, You know, he's still not real consistent shift to shift, but he is getting some chances every game. He just, he just can't bury them. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing him back on the fourth line again. Um, I think a lot of that will probably depend on how his week of practice has gone. Like the Blackhawks have actually, you know, have obviously had a couple of days off here. Don't play again until Thursday. Um, you know, you'd like to think that one game getting bumped down like that, you know, the message has been sent and he'll come back with a little bit more fire. But uh, to be honest, I've never liked him on a line with Kane. I know people were all crazy about the Schmaltz, Sod, Kane line this year. I've never been a fan of that. Uh, I've always preferred Patrick Kane to have a right-handed shot uh, opposite him. Um, I've I've really pushed for for Debrinkat to get that chance at some point. Uh, However, Debrinkat has seemed to have found some good chemistry with Taves, so at least in that regard, they're spreading out their scoring. So, you know, maybe to bring cat isn't the answer for Kane, but I, I really do prefer to see a right-handed shot with him. Um, and to me, Saad, he, I don't know. It, it, I've never thought he meshed well with Kane. Um, I am curious about this for 10 on the line with Schmaltz and Kane. I, that might work. I don't know what it'll work. It worked at one game, but it might be worth trying for a while. It's at least it, it 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 forces the other teams to back off a little bit at the blue line, which is only going to help uh, Kane and Schmaltz carry the puck in a little bit. If the other teams have to worry about um, Fortan streaking in, and you know Kane and Schmaltz are so good at hitting guys on the move with a pass, so. Um, I, you know, I think it could open up some space for those two guys. So it could work in that regard. And it, to give Fortan credit, I thought he did crash the net pretty hard. Um, and he wasn't willing, or he, he, he was very willing to sacrifice his body a little bit. He created some screens. Uh, you know, he's, he's, despite being a very fast skater, he's actually got pretty decent size. I mean, I wouldn't call him a power forward or anything, but um, he certainly has the frame to be able to um, 
accomplish some of those things that they need him to uh, playing with those two guys. But yeah, I mean, anytime you got Kane and Schmaltz, <laughs> excuse me, and they're doing their uh, uh, magic with the puck circling in that offensive zone. Um, you know, we kind of saw it a couple of years ago with Kane and Panarin where, you know, Anisimov just parked himself in front of the net and created havoc uh, and just kind of waited for, the, you know, the shot to come through and then tried to clean it up, uh, you know, 410. You know, I, I think that was the goal that they had with Saad was that he could be that type of guy. But, um, you know, maybe four, you know, 410 is going to get an opportunity. I don't know if it'll continue with Schmaltz and Kane, but I, I do hope they stick with him. And I also hope they stick with Hayden in the lineup. He's just, he may not be quite as defensively, defensively responsible as some of their other um, bottom six guys, but he has a little more finish. Uh, he can score some goals and the Blackhawks do need that on their, in, in their bottom six there. Cause they don't have a lot of guys that can finish down there. So yeah, they can get yeah. I don't think we need to see Andreas Martinson anymore. I mean, I don't yeah, know what he really offers. Hugh loves him. I, you know, he's the, the, the big guy that's defensively responsible and he's going to throw a couple of hits and it's just like uh branded bowling all over again. And I freaking hate it, but you know, I guess if the coach trusts him, it's gonna, I I'm guessing it's going to continue to play out. Cause I do know he has, he's going to have to pass through waivers if they try to send him down. Um, I wouldn't mind them seeing, uh, seeing Luke Johnson sent down. He certainly hasn't done anything that would um, warrant a demotion, but with Kruger playing well and Anisimov playing well, um, I just, I, I don't know how much consistent playing time he's going to get. And I just think that, at this point, Hayden offers a little more on the wing, uh, it, you know, as a scoring option for them. So um, I, that's what I would like to see. And then I wouldn't, I, to me, Martinson, keep him as the 13th forward. You can scratch him pretty much 90% of the time. But unfortunately, we know Q, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So I, we'll move over to the defense a little bit and there's some good defensive things to talk about and some bad. Uh, the good we'll just say is uh, it was pretty neat seeing Duncan Keith with his 1000th game and um, he, by the way he got delivered the silver plated stick by uh, Patrick Sharp yep. just in case anyone had any rumors still going about that that yeah. they're still buddies yep. uh, but yeah, yeah hopefully that all got put to bed when Sharp came back last year yeah, but yeah, it's pretty neat to see him. Yeah, 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 it's pretty neat to see him. Um, though with that whole ceremony, and of course, not to shortchange Seabrook, also a thousand and nine games. Yep, yeah, they're both in the top five, and by the end of the year, they're going to be two and three in the history of the Blackhawks behind Makita. Yeah, so now we got to talk about the fun thing. We got to talk about the not so fun thing. Brandon yeah. Manning. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. It, it's not been pretty. I know Eddie Olchek is towing the company line on those broadcasts and really pushing Manning as being some kind of solution, but wow, I'm not seeing it yet. 
tried to give him the benefit of the doubt a few times, the, the first few games, thinking maybe he was still adjusting um, to the new system and, you know, some miscommunications where he was leaving some guys open in front of the net, expecting somebody else to pick him up. But, and I mean, I know we're only five games in and, you know, we're maybe still not quite past that part, but it's, it's been tough to watch. Uh, he continues to make mistakes. Uh, he continues to, there's a few times a game where he tries to push it into the offensive zone and he gets caught and it creates an odd man rush the other way. And it's one thing if Gustafson does that, because Gustafson can actually create offense and you, when he does it, you know, there's a decent chance you're going to score a goal like he did in overtime, creating the tap in chance for Debrinkat. Um, but yeah, with Manning, I mean, I know he did score a goal uh, a couple of games ago, but yeah, he's not really an offensive creator. And as of yet, I haven't seen that shutdown ability. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's not very laterally quick, which after watching Duncan Keith after so many years, um, you know, that's really his forte is that, um, that skating ability, edge work, being able to cut on a dime and, uh, stop and head back the other way and watching Manning struggle through that. It's, it's worse than watching Seabrook at this point. Um, yeah. And the turnovers too, in, yes. in his own zone, it's just, it seems like there's like four or five a period. I mean, against the yeah. blues, I, I didn't go into detail on in the, it was two to one going into the um, third period. And, and about, I don't know, about a minute, they scored a power play goal and then the go ahead goal. And it was, a couple of really brutal plays by Manning set up both goals. And it was, yeah, it was, it was not fun to watch. Yeah. He, uh, him and Gustafson have definitely been the shakiest on the defensive end. But, you know, like I said, I, I'll take the offensive upside with Gustafson. Whereas with Manning, ugh, I, I just, I don't see, I don't see enough positives to outweigh the negatives that he brings to a game. Um, and it's not like he's a really young player. So, I mean, I know when they signed him, Bowman was saying that he thought that he was playing a lot better near the end of his Philly career and that they were hoping he was coming into his own and that he was going to be able to, you know, be a physical, more kind of shut down defenseman. But, not seeing it so far. It's been pretty much a disaster. Yeah. So um, speaking of disasters, we can move over to our discussion of special teams, but the Blackhawks actually scored a power play goal. So yeah. And it did. They're on it, the board. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, the last couple of games, I, I don't have a lot to complain about with the special teams. Uh, I thought both the power play and the penalty kill Looked a little better. I mean, yeah, there was still a couple of spots, but that's that's going to happen. You're, you're not going to be perfect on either of those at any point. Um, but yeah, I honestly, they won a few faceoffs as in the power plays, which is always a help, um, especially given their issues entering the zone, which we covered quite a bit in the last podcast. Um, 
But yeah, a couple of faceoff wins allowed them to immediately set up, which led to some chances that I liked. Um, I do like the new setup with the one three one. They are being a little more creative with their puck movement and shot selection compared to, um, well, the last 10 years or so where it was pretty much the same thing over and over and over. Um, but yeah. Um, and, um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. And Yoki Haru, Yoki Haru was on the power play. So that was, he was, I was very happy to see that he was indeed on the first power play unit replacing, uh, Seabrook who had kind of been on there the first few games. I think that is a positive change. And yeah, I think I made my my position clear last week that I would love to see uh, Yoki Haru uh, on the first unit and Gustafson on the second unit. And at least the last couple games, that seems to be what we've seen for the most part. We did, we we still get a little bit of Keith and a little bit of Seabrook back there. Um, you know, I know towards the ends of the power play. Uh, you're not going to go with just one defenseman. Q's going to put two guys out there. So, you know, you're going to get a little bit of mixing and matching back there. But I, predominantly, I, I would love to see them run it through Yoki Haru and uh, Gustafson. Yeah. So, um, all right. Are there any, anything else that jumped out at you from these uh, last two games? Uh, Cam Ward played a little better. Um you know, he's still not uh, – he was really good in the Blues game, I thought. Um, but, you know, obviously he's still not getting a great deal of help from the defense. But um, I don't think he really has given up many soft goals the last couple of games. Um, but, you know, obviously we have – the hope of Corey Crawford returning here, um, you know, and now at this point we just got to hope that he's the Corey Crawford of old. Yeah. That's the, that's what you're, you're looking for anyway. I mean, he's, he's going to be rusty. He hasn't played since December of last season. So right. obviously he's not going to be, but yeah, you, you're hoping that he'll round into at least a little bit of the form he had before. Yeah, I mean, it is nice that the Blackhawks have built a uh, you know a decent point total here. Um, I think most people were just kind of hoping they would tread water while Crawford was still out, and they've actually exceeded that a little bit. Uh, I think they're in second place in the division right now, and uh, you know, it's as early as we are. They're definitely in, in you know above the uh, playoff uh, contention line so far. So that's, uh, you know, a positive. And then, you know, so now maybe we can afford to have Crow work himself into shape a little more, give him a little more time to round into form. We've bought a little more leeway, a little more time for that. So uh, that's, that's definitely a positive. Um, But of course, if we could, shore up the defense a little bit, uh, that would certainly uh, go a long way as well. It's certainly not going to just be on the goaltender. We need some improvement. Um, Brandon Manning, I'm talking to you. Yes, exactly. Um, So I guess we'll go now to your uh, preview for the upcoming week of Blackhawks games. Sure. Uh, 
So we had the the the, the fairly uh, light week of action last week, and we are going to be going into a full week of action here uh, with four games. Uh, they'll kick back off their action uh, at home against uh, Arizona on Thursday night. Arizona uh, last year uh, had made some. Uh, Veteran acquisitions, including Nicholas Jalmerson, uh, Derek Stefan, uh, in the hopes of you know, I probably they probably weren't expecting to go to the playoffs last year, but I think they were hoping to at least uh, push themselves into competitive games on a regular basis. And unfortunately for them, they got off to a, just a dreadful start last year and pretty much eliminated themselves from playoff contention two or three weeks into the season. Uh, but then they did play better as the season went on and did play some, uh, did play competitively. And once again, they made a couple of more acquisitions this off season and again, had high hopes so far. We're still very early in the season, obviously, but hasn't translated into more wins yet. Um, so hopefully the Blackhawks can take advantage of that, get a win here at home against a struggling team. Because then they have a much tougher stretch after that. They travel to Columbus on Saturday. The Blue Jackets are off to a strong start. Um, definitely a playoff caliber team with uh, Vezina caliber goalie and Bobrovsky, uh, Norris caliber defenseman and Seth Jones, and an offense led by Artemi Panarin and uh, several others of note. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, then they do come back right after that at home on Sunday against Tampa Bay. Uh, the lightning are of course, one of the better teams in, in the Eastern conference. Um, their schedule has been affected. I'm a, I've been a little bit out of the loop on vacation for the last week. Um, but Tampa Bay's only played a few games. I'm assuming they've been affected by the hurricane down there. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Cause I, I noticed both Tampa Bay and Florida have only played three games. So I'm assuming a couple of their games might've got canceled or rescheduled. Yeah. That might, that might've happened. And yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. And then, uh, the Blackhawks will remain at home, uh, next Tuesday night against, uh, Anaheim. And once again, the ducks, uh, Despite a couple of injuries, they're right up there in the in contention for the Pacific so far. Playing pretty good hockey, so um, that's a pretty tough three games and four night stretch, uh, including a back to back home and away. So we'll see how that goes. Well, it's good that they, uh, you know, book so many points in this early stretch in these first five games because yeah, that. Those are three playoff uh, caliber teams, so yeah, it's yeah. not going to be easy. Nope. And, you know, honestly, the way the Blackhawks have been playing with the run-and-gun style, uh, even the uh, Coyotes could uh, pose quite a threat because, you know, they're a young team with a lot of speed, a lot of young, uh, a lot of young guns down there. So, you know, the Blackhawks get into a – uh, back and forth game with them that 
might not bode well for them. Um, but you know, the Blackhawks do, they've been winning the majority of those so far, but you know, you, you can't, you can't, uh, we can't rely on that forever here. At some point we need to tighten up defensively a little bit. And you know, Q's been getting on them the last couple of days here. So you would, we'll you see. would hope so anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, maybe just maybe we'll get a game that doesn't go to overtime. That would be cool. Although, Hey, I'll take a point out of every game. I'll take a, I'll take a guaranteed point. Oh yeah. If you're telling me that you could, they could, Take the lightning and ducks to overtime. Yeah. I would take that. Yep. Yep. Right, yeah, well, you know, you'd like to win. You'd like to win straight up against Anaheim because they're a conference opponent. But yeah, uh, and also like the ducks but, are the worst. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't want to see the ducks get a point out of it. Yeah, I mean, maybe if Corey Perry and those guys are all off the team eventually one day. I won't dislike them so much, but they're still there. So. Well, hey, Corey Perry's injured, so we got that going yep. for us. But, yep, so we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a much busier week, so this will yep. be the time well, when things start happening. Yep. All right, well, I guess and I am working to get the podcast on iTunes. I submitted it, so we'll see. Should Once it's on there, I will tweet out the link to iTunes and um, I guess we'll give our uh, Twitter again just to remind everyone um, STH85 at MJ underscore Ernst All right, and we will have another episode next week Game on! Game on! <laughs>